0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to Real Relationship Talk, episode three. Today, you all, I have the privilege of interviewing and having a real good conversation with my husband, Sean. You know, if you've been following me for a while, you probably know that I'm super transparent. I'm very open. I talk about my marriage. I talk about my parenting, my mistakes. I confess my sin. I'm just an open book. And my husband is much more reserved. Sean is a very private person, and so the fact that he even agreed to this conversation today was just such a treat for me. We're not doing this interview because we just want to share all of our business with the world. We're doing this interview because I believe it's like a person who was healed of cancer. You know, if you went through something as traumatic as cancer and you recovered, wouldn't you want to tell everybody about what you did? Wouldn't you want people to know how you were healed? And that's exactly how I feel. I feel like I experienced a very traumatic event in my marriage and we came out on the other side. And I want people to know that there is hope for you. That just because your marriage is terrible today doesn't mean that it has to always be that way. I know I for sure used to think that. I thought my marriage was irrevocably flawed and I just was looking for a lifeline, just somebody who would give me some glimmer of hope. And so that's what I pray that this interview is for you today. So you are going to hear a conversation between a husband and a wife, and we're going to talk about how we fell in love and the beginnings of our relationship, the beginnings of our marriage and what that looked like. We're going to talk about how we fell, but more importantly, we're going to talk about how we recovered. And it's in that recovery process that we learn so much about ourselves, that we learn so much about each other, and that gave us the passion to be able to help couples to overcome not only infidelity in their marriage, but other hidden dangers. And so I want you to listen with open ears, regardless of whether you've gone through trauma in your marriage or not. I think this is really gonna bless and encourage you. So without any further ado, Take a listen to my conversation with my honey. Well, dear, thank you so much for agreeing to do this interview with me. I know that this isn't necessarily your cup of tea. So um, I'm just grateful, though, that we'll be able to share with this podcast community a little bit about our journey and how infidelity has affected us. But I don't want to just talk about infidelity. I want to talk about how we came to be a couple and how things kind of fell apart and then what we did to restore what was broken. So why don't you give your version of the story as to how we got together?
1: My version? Well, um, I... Went to, came to your school. I saw you. I heard about you. Um, I've known you for a long time, but I heard about you and I heard that you're really grown up some. So I, when I saw you and I was like, wow. Okay. She did. Wow. grow Wow. And I, I said, like you said um, wow. Yeah, I did. I said, wow. Wow. Man. And actually at that moment I did say, I said, one day I'm going to marry her. And then it became a game of pursuit. And you were liking someone else at the time, so mm-hmm. I had to um throw some interference in there, you mm-hmm. know, and, and go ahead and throw out those plans and, you know, and do what God had for me. God and, had and, and he had spoken that to me, so, you know, I just had to help it along, you know, I thought I needed a little bit of help, so that's what I did.
0: Wow, that is so interesting. So you want to know how I remember that? Funny thing is, I remember, because we've known each other since we were little kids. Like, I think that's something that a lot of people who know us, they might not realize that we've known each other since we were like five and eight years old. So I remember you being
1: my you sister to me. Tami-
0: no, wow. no, that, that did not happen. <laughs> it did but happen. I don't remember that happening. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember when you were friends with Tamika, that's my sister, and you, I just kind of saw you as her friend. It it, You know, it wasn't really... I didn't really think of, like, oh, that's going to be my boyfriend one day. And so um, I just think it's so funny just how things kind of came to be. But, no, I remember I was liking somebody else. You were liking somebody else, I think. No? No. Oh, interesting. You sure about that? I think you were in a relationship with somebody else. Or you were liking somebody else. But in any case, I just remember... Like once we kind of got together, we just really quickly became inseparable. So let me ask you because, you know, we have kids and I don't think that teenagers should be in these serious relationships. I just don't think that you know enough about yourself. I don't feel like you've experienced enough. And personally, I feel like when teenagers are in these serious dating relationships, they kind of set themselves up to be unfaithful because I personally do not believe that a 16-year-old is really meant to be monogamous in one relationship. I think you're a kid, you're still learning things. So, what do you what do you think about that? Obviously, we have two adult kids now, and um, we really haven't had to deal with a whole lot of like these serious relationships with our with our kids when they were teenagers. But what do you think about that? Like do you think looking back that was a good thing for us to be so deep so soon?
1: Uh probably for us then. No, because we didn't know what we we're doing. We didn't have any guidance. And I mean, I think if you have a relationship, a good relationship with an older figure or a father, a father figure or something that can help guide you and give you tips, then relationships shouldn't be a problem. But when you're kind of navigating through yourself, you don't know what you're doing. You are just kind of listening here and see whatever people are doing and just it's like trial and error. So in our instance, I think it was too much too soon for us um yeah too much too soon because you really don't know what you want you think you know but you don't know
0: so fast forward we are now married we got married super young I was 18 you were 21 we had a good relationship I think for the most part Mm -hmm. do you remember what our relationship was like when we first got married
1: we used to hang out go out hang out with other couples and just I think we were having fun.
0: So, when we first got married, we were hanging around with a core group of couples mm-hmm. and you know it was like maybe what four or five couples that we used to hang pretty tight with. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but I always felt like we were kind of the bottom of the barrel couple. Like I looked at these couples as being they were older than us, they mm-hmm. most of them had been together longer than us, mm-hmm. and I just felt like we if anybody was going to divorce, it would be us first. Mm-hmm. And so I know like when those couples started divorcing and they started having problems, I was like, what in the world? Because I just thought, how are we the ones that are still together when it seemed like we had so many things against us? So I wanted to talk a little bit about the odds that we had stacked against us when we first got together.
1: Hmm. Young kid, nowhere to live. Non-stable jobs. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have much.
0: We didn't well, we had somewhere to live. I mean, we weren't homeless or anything, but yeah. I mean, we're definitely started from the bottom. Now we're here for sure. Um, we definitely, you know, I remember our first little apartment and just trying to build a life. And then, like you said, we already had a baby. Chris was six weeks old when we got married. And so I just feel like we were tr- we were facing these odds. And I think that that may have been a ripe recipe for us to drift apart. Um, I did an interview with Dr. Cyrus Williams, and he was talking about the importance of couples not drifting. Mm -hmm. And I can go back and remember, Sean, like when that first year, maybe even the first two years of our marriage, I felt like we were constantly apart. We were both working full time because we had this new little family to provide for we were like ships passing in the night. You remember when I I was working like the 6 a.m. shift and I would get off at 2 and then you went in from 2 to 11 p.m. So we just weren't really spending any time together. And then finances were tight. We just had a lot of stress on our relationship. And I'm not trying to excuse what happened, but I think that we kind of set ourselves up for the fallout in our marriage.
1: Well, it kind of goes back to what I said about teenagers. You have a mentor or so in a relationship, then you can kind of help navigate through these things. And during that time frame, I know I didn't. And I don't think you did either. ever had like a, a mentor couple or someone older that can help us navigate. We're just trying pretty much doing it on our own and trying to figure out life on our own. Yeah. And so being a young couple, that's very challenging.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I think it's like, I would see couples who I wanted to be like, like growing up, I remember looking at some of my friends' parents and just looking at the relationship that they had and being like, oh, like that's the kind of marriage that I want to have. But it seems so far beyond, it just seems so out of reach. And so I think I had these unrealistic expectations coming into marriage, like, oh, my marriage is going to be be like this, and Mm -hmm. my husband's going to be like this, and I'm going to be this kind of wife, and none of that stuff happened and i didn't really know what to do with my disappointment and this is not even like before our marriage fell apart this is just like basic stuff like y- you're going to learn each other you're going to you're going to grow in different ways you're going to find out things about your husband or your wife that you didn't know obviously before you were living with them and i think some of those things could have been avoided like some of the drama could have been avoided if like you said we if we just had someone who would kind of show us the way and let us know, like, some of these things are just normal. Some of these things you're just going to need to expect. And I just feel like we kind of went into marriage, even though we had premarital counseling, we went into marriage with rose-colored glasses on, not really knowing what we were about to get into.
1: Uh, Yeah. I thought I was supposed to work, you're supposed to cook me dinner every day, have have a meal waiting for me. Mm -hmm. And sex every night. Mhm.
0: And those were some unrealistic expectations. <laughs> so, what happened, Sean? In our marriage, pretty early on, we have a very unique story because we have experienced infidelity on both sides. So, obviously, this is a little vulnerable for us to talk about this, but what happened with you? Like what can you go back to that time when things kind of first started to fall apart? And let us know like what happened
1: so i will um say for me i the per- type of person i am i do not like to dwell on the past so um because i like to move on and not you know like not let my failures uh come back to haunt me per se back in those days i mean honestly i mean for me it was again not knowing anything about marriage um, not having an example, um, and people I were around, because I was young in the military, uh, young in my other jobs, and all of the, the role models, per se, of men I knew um, were, was players, and so it was, okay, that's what men, that's what we do, so you have to fit in, and that's for me, it was like, okay, all right, well, you go out, all right, this person, everybody's doing it, so you just kind of fit in with the crowd, and one thing will lead to another, and, you know, and get a number here, and get a number there, you know, and and maybe just time a little bit more, you know, all right, okay, all right, you know, to go hang out with somebody, you know, just different things, so that's what kind of led me to down my path, you know, wasn't anything like, um, that Daniel wasn't doing or you were taking care, taking care of home. So, you know, it was was happy at home, but it was just, you know, it was more of the peer pressure of everybody you hung around with at that time and then not being secure in myself to, to, you know, to say, no, that's not what I'm going to do or now I'm going to be different, but just falling into the peer pressure.
0: You said you were going out, you were getting these numbers and you were doing all these things. Like, did it ever cross your mind? Like what this might do to me?
1: No, not at the time when you're in. I guess I mean, really, is selfishness. And so when yeah. you're in it, you're just, you're just. It's all about you at the moment, and you don't think about anything. You know, later on down the road, later, you know, as I start to mature, it was like, oh, you know, and then it what, it will feel that little tug or something. Oh, you know, this ain't right. You know, whatever. And so,
0: yeah, I think for me. This is why I was kind of saying earlier, this is why I don't think that teenagers should be in long-term relationships, because there was a person who I was interested in in high school, and we never really had an opportunity to have a relationship, because you and I were together, and so... Mm
1: -hmm. They weren't in a relationship.
0: They weren't in a relationship? They were. Oh, yeah, 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 they were. Okay, so that would be the other reason. (laughs) That would be the other reason, but... Regardless of that, I think that that person, I still had feelings for that person. And when we, when you and I got married, I thought, okay, well, you know what? I'm married now. That's That's done. That's in the past. It's gone. And what I didn't do at 18 years old is I did not have any reference for boundaries. It was like, if you were my friend, you were my friend. And I had no problems with talking to guys on the phone late at night. Or hanging out with guys, you know, because that was just my friend. And so this particular person and I remained friends after we got married, after you and I got married. And when you and I started going through some difficult times in our relationship, even before I knew that you had been unfaithful, just life, just stuff, right? We were distant, all that kind of stuff, right? I brought him into an intimate place of telling him about our problems and talking about My frustrations and my fears and, you know, now looking back 20 plus years later, I'm like, wow, that was just that was just dumb. Right. You don't know what you don't know, though, when you're that young. And so my heart began to be attached to this person. And I had no intentions because I'm like you. I am a person of integrity. Um, (laughs) Really? I am. (laughs) Okay, But I had no intentions of like having an affair and i think that a lot of people who end up cheating on their spouses don't have any intentions of taking it that far mm-hmm. and i remember like when things started to feel out of control and i realized that uh-oh like mm-hmm. i've crossed some boundaries and i don't know how to get myself out of this situation and just real talk, it felt good. It felt good to be noticed. It felt good to have a guy paying so much attention to me. It felt good to be able to talk to somebody and have them listen. And it just felt good. It felt like everything I wasn't getting in you, I was getting in this other person. And so the physical part, it wasn't even a It wasn't like a goal. It wasn't something that I was like, oh, yeah, I can't wait till we get to that part. You know, I think that for most women, and again, this is a generalization, but I think for most women, most women don't, most women do not become involved in affairs because they're looking for some physical connection. It's usually the emotional connection. And it sounds like to me, you were kind of the opposite. Yours was just kind of like, hey, I'm gonna be out here, like meeting these people. Oh, this person looks good. It was like all about the physical. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I don't know which is more damaging. I was talking to Dr. Cyrus Williams about that on our last podcast about which is more damaging, emotional affairs or physical affairs. And we kind of both came to the conclusion that they're both equally damaging. And so for me, when I fell in that way, Sean, I cried. Like, I remember literally being on the bathroom floor, being like, I was so disgusted in myself. I could not believe that I had done that. That is not who I am. I'm a super loyal person. Um, I'm, you know, a person of integrity like these. were, I just could not believe that I had stooped so low. And unbeknownst to me, you were out there doing all kinds of foolishness. I had no idea at the time. But I just think it's so interesting that we were kind of both going through the same thing and not talking at all. Like we were not communicating about our problems with each other.
1: Hmm. Somewhat true, but I don't know if I can agree with that because I think that issue of him came up before, you know, that happened. And I was aware, you knew I was aware and but it was more of to me, it was that you didn't care that how I felt. And for me, that was like, Oh, okay. Two can play this game. And that will just really drove me to like, all right, well, right, I'm just going to meet people. i going to do it and do my thing. Then, you know, whatever. Cause if you're going to still hang out and talk with this person and do whatever, I'm going to do, do my thing. So,
0: yeah, I think it's, it's not that I didn't care, but I think, you know, there's a proverb that says that, To a hungry person, even what's bitter tastes sweet. Mm -hmm. And so when you are not being fulfilled in your marriage, and again, this is not an excuse, this does not make it right, but when you're not being fulfilled in your marriage and then somebody else comes along and they start checking all the boxes and they start meeting all the needs, that's hard to let go of, Mm -hmm. which is why, yeah, right? So it's like, this is why... You don't put yourself in those situations in the first place. But
1: then it still goes back to, I can honestly say, I think if both of us would have had someone in our corner that was really in our corner that was talking to us, it could have prevented a lot of this where we, the roads we walked down. And so in a relationship, you have to be willing to, or you need, I would say need to have that a person, accountability person or friend and their friend needs to be able to say, you know, not just, yeah, go do this, go do that. But nah, man, nah, that ain't, that ain't the right thing. Cause I know once for me, I was in it, but I mean, in the deep, but I was telling my friend, like, I was like, okay, this is not good. I need to get out of it. But I was telling them, you don't want to do this. They were like, how, how you, are in, it. I'm like, yeah, I'm in it and it's not good.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Don't mess up what you have. Right. You know, by going down this path, I'm telling you from a person that's in it, that's trying to get out of it. And, you know I, know, I remember for the longest time, you were like, how can you tell your friends this and that and that and that da that da, and da, 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 da? This, you I, know, I don't
0: talk like that. Look, I, don't, I don't talk you like were, that. I can't
1: remember everything you were saying, <laughs> but this, you know, you would just go on. And I'm like, because I'm in it and yeah. I don't want them to go down that path. Yeah. And so that's what kind of really once they realized that and that was a, a driving force to help me get out of it because. You know, I saw the damage it did to me, and I didn't want people, other people, to go through what I was going through.
0: Hmm. So I didn't have at that particular point in my life. I didn't really have any friends. You know, I think being married so young, being a mom—I mean, I'm 18 with a child. So all of my 18, 19-year-old friends are out partying and having fun and in college and doing all the things that 18 and 19-year-olds should do. Mm-hmm. And so. Again, all the more reason why this one particular person was so important to me, because I was like my only friend. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really have, even though we were hanging out with other couples and stuff, I wasn't really close. I wasn't really close to a lot of those girls, not not to the point where I would be bringing them into like my intimate problems Mm. and so I think that that is a red flag when you don't have those solid relationships whether you're 18 or 38 you know you don't have those solid relationships with people who will keep you accountable Mm. like real talk to this day one of my best friends I can call her and be like I'm having some thoughts right now that are not good and I can just be straight up real with her and This is why I think a lot of people aren't transparent. A lot of people don't bring stuff out in the open is because honestly, they just don't want to stop. Mm. They just don't want to stop. And so, you know, when I fell in that way, like I said, it was it was devastating for me. I could not believe that I had done that. And so I cut the relationship off immediately. There was no second conversation. I literally never saw that person again, ever, never talked to that person again, ever. And I expected you to do the same (laughs) And that wasn't what happened, and so let's talk a little bit because I know we always talk about what happened in the beginning of our marriage, but this plagued our marriage for many years, and I think that there was always this cycle, you know I would talk about this cycle all the time, Sean, you're in the cycle, and we we you know I forgive you, and then you're good for a while, and then you you slip back into this mess, and I just remember many years of just feeling. So frustrated and feeling dumb, honestly, feeling embarrassed, feeling ashamed of myself because you couldn't get it together. And so can you talk a little bit about what was going on in your mind through the cycles of infidelity that you found yourself in?
1: The main thing was to get back at you. I wanted you to feel the hurt that I felt because of because of of your situation so it was more like, okay. but even
0: though you were doing the, you were doing the thing too. Like it wasn't like I had a affair and then mm-hmm. you found out about it, and oh my gosh, let me figure out what I am going to do. Like because you were-
1: of the the person and the things that we went through and our while we we're dating, the challenges with that same person, and so then it was continued. It was like, okay, I am going to get you back. Mm. And you're going to, you're going to feel it. Mm. So with that, and then also, um, you know, as you touched on earlier, you know, the things that you weren't getting from me. I mean, at that point, you know, because it was continued, it was like you shut yourself shut yourself off. So I was like okay, you know, like all right, well, somebody's gonna appreciate me. You know, like you know, I'm trying to do good, and I'm really. Taking care of this family, doing this, working my butt off, and you don't care. You don't respect me. You know you don't think I'm a man. You know you don't appreciate me. So somebody will appreciate me. So uh, for for me and um, for a majority of guys, they we need appreciation. You know yeah. we need to be um we need you know like I heard somebody say before we're like little puppies. You know like that's a that's a good boy. You know whatever, and then we just all cuddle up, melt up, smile, you know, we'll do anything in the world once you, you know, you appreciate, appreciate us and give us some recognition. Mm -hmm. So, but
0: isn't it interesting, like the cycle, because you're saying you weren't feeling appreciated. And I was basically aloof and not paying you any attention. And on my end, I don't trust you, right? I'm angry. Mm -hmm. I'm frustrated. I'm hurt. And so hurting people hurt people. True. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I just feel like looking back on those years, I was, com- I didn't respect you. I didn't trust you. And I did not want to divorce you because I feel like divorce is wrong. Now, granted, the Bible does give an out, quote unquote, for infidelity. Right. And I think the reason that that out is in there is because the Bible says it's by the hardness of your heart. Right. Mm-hmm. And so this is why divorce is permissible because it hardens your heart toward your spouse, rightfully so. When you're trying to recover from infidelity and then you keep falling into it, it's like, I mean, it's almost like impossible to reconcile at that point because all trust is gone, all respect is gone. So no, I wasn't going to respond to you in a loving way because there was not a lot of love in my heart for you. It was all, maybe there was still love there, But it was definitely covered up by a lot of anger and a lot of hurt and a lot of shame. Mm. So we spent a long, long time in that crazy cycle. And this is why I am such a huge proponent of marriage counseling, because I tried to be like, okay, we need some outside help. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we cannot fix our marriage ourselves. And, you know... We needed some help, and so i would sh- I was reaching out to these counselors and different people, and yeah. you were not feeling them, and it was horrible like you remember that one that you yeah. literally got up and walked out in the middle of the session so counseling didn't really work for us at that point, and I was just frustrated and and I had gotten to the point where at that time, I was like, even though I don't really believe in divorce, even though I know that divorce is going to devastate our family.
1: Before, Hold on. Before you get into that, let's, let's talk about counseling. One thing that, one piece of advice that I, can, I want to give and share is that a lot of times when someone's in, in an affair and the person gets caught, if the male gets caught, the female wants to force the guy, give him, you need to go to counseling, you need to do these, give him all these mandates they have to do to stay in a relationship. We're gonna go through the motions, but we're not really in it. So my piece of advice is, you know, if you want your relationship, you're gonna to have to have a conversation and but you can't force them to do anything because if you force them to do stuff, something they don't wanna do, mm-hmm. it's not genuine. Right. And it's not gonna last.
0: Right. But then that puts the female in a in a quandary because what happens is what are you supposed to do while you're just waiting for the husband to figure out that he needs to get help.
1: Okay. I mean, again, that's, it's a tough situation, you know, a very tough situation. Um, if you're waiting, it might be time for separation. You know, I'm not saying just wait there and let him do his thing, but it might be time. Okay. You know what? You're not ready. I am. We're at two different odds. You know, I'm not forcing you to do anything during this time while you're figuring out your life, we need to do it separate.
0: Mm, yeah. I think for me, like, you know, kind of going back to what those original failed counseling sessions looked like, you're right. Like, I was definitely trying to force something on you. And in hindsight, I absolutely should have separated from you. And then I got to a point where I realized, you know what? I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave this situation. And I don't know, because I wasn't working at the time. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know how I'm going to provide for myself. I don't know what this is going to look like for our kids. But I cannot and will not live like this any longer. And I think that when I got to that point, there was like a light bulb moment that came on in my head that I thought, you know, I'm in, I am in charge of me. I am not in charge of him. And I can't control whether he feels remorse, whether he wants to change, whether he wants to repent. I cannot control that, but I can control me. And so I decided to remove myself from the situation. And it was right around that time that I guess you saw the light. I don't know, like what happened I mean, to you. I mean, you
1: said some, you said a key thing. Um, you control you,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you decided to focus on you and basically better yourself. So once you took the focus off of me and, the friend, you know, was like, oh, OK, you know, like she does not care, you know, whatever that re- that allowed me to focus on myself as well. Mm-hmm. And to also realize that, OK, she's not spending all this energy on me. Right. Like, whoa, I'm really about to lose everything. Honestly, real talk. I mean, guys know right? when there's an argument going, we still got you. All right? OK. OK. This conversation yeah all right we're still in this when the conversation stops the talking stops the, I mean it's like you know it's cold shoulder like okay no don't talk to me don't touch me I'm doing my thing I'm I don't care what you do it's like oh she's for
0: real-hmm yeah this
1: is not a game anymore right and so a lot a lot of people don't realize that you know they oh I want you to be right I want you know, you need to do this. You need to do okay. Yes, I go through the motions. I do this. I do that. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we're gonna go through this again. Oh, you're gonna leave. Yeah, but you're still in here. You know, whatever. Talking to me. You know, doing this different things. But again, once everything stops, and you focus on yourself, and you like we, as a guy, I'm like, hold up, hold up now. You're not talking to me. Yet. Hold. You sleeping in a different room for real? And like it's oh, this is serious. Hold yeah. up now.
0: Yeah. And I think it's a shame that it has to get to that point. You know, like the couples that I work a lot of the couples that I work with, it's hard for me sometimes to distance my own emotions from what they're going through because I remember how painful those years were. I remember how painful it was to try to make your marriage work and it seems like your husband does not care. And it is by the grace of God. That's why I've told you literally by the grace of God that we are still together and that I did not shoot you. Hmm. (laughs) that I did not cause you bodily harm. No, you tried. I did try. But that's Mm -hmm. another podcast for another day. So now we're going to talk about how, obviously, we ended up going to counseling, right? We met Cyrus and...
1: I mean, what actually leads up to it before we even go to counseling is... And we touched on it, you know, when I said that you, you said that you start focusing on yourself. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was like, okay, I want to, and I remember telling you, you know, like, don't leave, allow me to work on myself mm-hmm. and become a better man. Yeah. After I that. this process is over, if you don't want to be with me. Mm hmm. You can leave. I will not. I will not fight you. I will not. But at least leave knowing who a good man, what a good man is, a good husband, and not leave with a bad husband because you will have basically you would carry that into your next relationship, right? And And can I, I
0: tell you? I remember you having that conversation with me, and I originally thought, like, how dare, how dare you ask me? to not leave and let you figure it out when I've let you figure it out for all of these years. But I love the fact that you, you were, I think at that point, finally committed to changing yourself, like finally committing to doing some real work on Mm -hmm. what you needed to do. Because as you said it before, a lot of times people commit adultery because of their own pain, because of their own issues. It really has nothing to Cyrus. do. Yeah, Cyrus said that on the last call. Um, but it really has nothing to do a lot of times with your spouse. Mm-hmm. We can be like you said, like we were happy at one point and you were still out there doing whatever you were doing. Mm-hmm. So this is why I never blame the wounded spouse for their spouse's infidelity, because you can be Halle Berry and we see what happened in her marriage, you know. It's, so it has nothing to do with whether you're, you're not pretty enough, not thin enough, not smart enough, not anything enough. People have issues. And if you don't get those issues resolved before you get married, like I'm talking deep insecurity issues. I'm talking selfishness issues. I'm talking pride issues. If you don't resolve those things and make sure that you're sustaining those, those areas of your life, then you are going to be susceptible to something like this. And so we went to counseling. Cyrus, I think, was probably one of the best things that happened in our marriage because, you know, he could talk to you in a way that I never saw a counselor be able to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Like he got through to you. He was real. I remember the first time we had an appointment with him. I was like, oh, my gosh. Oh, God, this is awful. We, Sean is never going to come mm-hmm. back to counseling because he was he was hard on you. Mm-hmm. He was not sugarcoating anything. Well, you were like
1: men. That's what men need. because yeah. It's that father figure or so in this direction and this guidance, you know, I, I have that at work. Mm-hmm. Even with, you know, and they, the guys even told me, it was like, we we need guidance. We need direction. Mm-hmm. So if you come in and say, we're going to do this, that, and that, we're going to follow.
0: I think, you know, because people ask me all the time, like, when did you know that he was finally serious? When did I know that, that you were actually not playing games anymore? And I think when I saw you paying out of pocket, marriage counseling is not cheap, <laughs> And when I saw you paying out of pocket, like, we weren't filing insurance. And I was like, oh, this dude is, like, really serious. But I couldn't let you know that. (laughs) I couldn't let you know that I was, like, actually starting to develop a heart again. But... I think that that is, like, it's going to cost you something, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And so for people who want, like, the free option or they don't want to pay to go to a marriage conference or they don't want to, you know, sometimes you might have to lose a job. You might have to leave a job. You might have to move out of that neighborhood if the person that you're dealing with lives in that neighborhood. Like, what is it going to cost you and how much are you willing to pay? And so when I saw that, like, you were willing, you had a significant Job change. You remember that? And I was, like, that was kind of one of my ultimatums. It's like, listen, you cannot be out here traveling anymore because that's obviously not a good thing for you. And up until that point, you were always like, no, no, you know, I got to travel. I got to do this. And, but when it got to be, I don't sound like that. Yeah, you do. <laughs> <laughs> but when it got to be that point where it was like, no, like this is no longer an option, you start, you showed up. You showed up and you, you actually started investing. So we went through several years um, of counseling and not just counseling, but I think just some real work on ourselves. Like Cyrus said on the last interview, if you're not working it, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. And so what, what did you learn about yourself that you would tell somebody else who's going through the rebuild, the rebuilding of themselves, the rebuilding of a marriage
1: I mean, I say it all the time, whoever I talk to that you have to focus on yourself, work on yourself before you can focus on anyone else, your spouse, you know, as long as you're looking at what they're doing wrong, you're not looking at what you're doing wrong, but mm-hmm. when you look in the mirror and say, what am I doing wrong? how am I contributing to whatever? I need to focus on myself, make get myself right before I can say you know focus on anyone else, and once you do that. Everything changes, mm-hmm. you know. For me, when I looked in the mirror, I was like, "Ooh, this is not a pretty picture."
0: Yeah, it wasn't.
1: And once I did that, that's when it was easy to make a change.
0: So, talk a little bit as we kind of bring this to a close here about rebuilding trust, because I think that that is something that a lot of people underestimate. The way takes that- a long
1: time. Yeah. Takes a very long time, and. Yeah, very long time. And even when you think you're uh, you're good,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so, somebody can have something, a thought come up to just, just feel like you're starting over square one.
0: Yeah. I mean, we've yeah. gone through that, and right? It's,
1: yeah. And it's, it's frustrating.
0: It is. But that's also one of the ramifications of adultery. And so I think, you know, when we have these conversations all the time, like rebuilding trust is not easy. It takes years. And I'm like years, you know, to rebuild. And so you have to be understanding that because you have lied for so long and you have snuck around, and you've done all these things, that your spouse isn't going to trust you. And so I think it's prideful for the adulterous spouse to be like, oh my gosh, it's taking so long. I can't believe my, my husband or my wife doesn't trust me. It's like, listen, you you've done a lot of damage and that's going to take a lot of time to rebuild. On the flip side, for the wounded spouse – you you have to be willing to start somewhere. You know what I mean? Like you can't keep score and keep looking and searching. And because I know that like, for me at least, if, if, if you really want to find something wrong about somebody, it doesn't have to be about marriage. It can be anything. If you really want to find something wrong about somebody, it doesn't take that long for you to find what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, for me, I had to say, okay, am I trying to find out something and catch him in a lie? Or am I trying to rebuild my marriage? And so prayer has been my lifeline because I know that I did not have the power to change your heart. You didn't have the power to change your heart, but I knew that God did. And so I began to pray. I began to pray for you like somebody who was lost and in danger of destruction, honestly. Like Mm -hmm. I began to pray so fervently for you. And I think that that's when I began to see a change in you. You didn't probably even realize that I was praying for you to that level. Um, And it wasn't my prayers that changed you, but I believe that God uses. I just remember you praying that something happened to me. Yeah, I prayed that too. And I had to go back and Mm -hmm. and ask for forgiveness. (laughs) I had to go back. I prayed a lot of prayers. Thank God he doesn't answer them all. Mm -hmm. Um, But rebuilding trust, it takes a really long time. And I think for me, because I had to rebuild trust with you. And so again, talking about those boundaries, like there's certain things that I won't do now. I won't have conversations with guys late at night. I won't open up my heart to a, to a man. I don't care how Christian he is. Like there's certain things that I just won't do. So what are some boundaries or some things that you've done now that you weren't doing before?
1: Um, for me, I'm just, I, you know, I look at females differently. You know, I look at them as like, as a sister versus as a, object is a piece of meat or so and with looking at him like that it helps me um not think of him in like in a sexual way or so and you know and i um me is more about um mentorship and you know that is something new to um to me to you know introduce them to you but i mean that's something that, that takes time cuz for me it's like uh she going to think i like this person or something when it's nothing but it's like i'm getting more comfortable like this is my wife, Dana. Dana, these are people I work with, you know, like that. And I put boundaries in place, like, you know, anybody that works for me, you know, like, definitely not, you know, I squashed it, squash it right away, you know, like, there's nothing there. Um, I I honestly don't go out and meet new people you know, anymore, you know. I just, limit, you know, watch where I go. Don't hang out all times of the night in, you know, in sketchy places where, where that stuff is, you know, known to happen.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, You know, I am being more aware, you know, like if I'm feeling a certain way, I'll call you. So, I mean, there's just a few things.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I'm proud of us. We are certainly not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. And to be honest, there's no marriage that is completely inoculated from adultery. I think that we put some good things in place. I think that we've done a lot to encourage people. And so I'm proud of you. I'm proud of myself. I'm proud of us. And um, yeah, let's just continue to build a great relationship. Sounds good. Well, we made it through that conversation. Did you feel like you were getting a little inside information into our conversation? it's interesting because Sean had hurt his back a few days ago. And so he's in some pretty significant back pain right now. So in between our conversation, he was over there just grimacing and just really having a rough time. And that just really makes me appreciate all the more the fact that he sat and shared and not only shared, but really bore his soul And again, as I stated before, this is not something that he always loves to do. So thanks again, Sean, for that conversation. Well, you guys, I hope that you are enjoying this podcast. I'm beyond excited. I know that this is just my third episode, but I have loved every single one. I've enjoyed creating these podcasts, and I spend quite a bit of time thinking about the guests, and I'm so excited to be able to bring to you all in the coming weeks a great conversation with my friend and sex therapist, Dr. Jessica McLeese. You will not want to miss that one. We also have Tony and Alisa DeLorenzo of One Extraordinary Marriage on deck. I'm so pumped about them. We're also going to talk about parenting. And for you singles, I'm not forgetting about you. I've got some amazing guests that are going to come on and talk about how to be satisfied in your singleness. So do subscribe. And you all, if these podcasts are helping and encouraging you, do rate them. You can write a little one paragraph review, and that would mean the world to me. For a new podcast, that is gold. So continue to share these podcasts as you're doing. I'm so grateful for you. I'm so grateful for all of your feedback and your support. And I will see you all soon. Be blessed and take care. We'll see you on the next episode.